It's Locked On NBA. Today, we are discussing the passing of Utah Jazz legendary head coach Jerry Sloan and then also talking about the potential return to play protocol for the NBA with David Locke of Locked On Jazz. Hey, let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm back in the saddle after The Last Dance is over. Unfortunately, uh, in Australia, The Last Dance didn't uh, air at the same time, so I wasn't able to come on and discuss with everyone of that great documentary. I am back now, and the NBA looks like we're getting closer to a return. So I'm going to talk to David Locke about that. Of course, David Locke, the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network and the host of the Locked On Jazz Podcast. We're going to have a nice chat about all of that stuff coming up. So... Let's get to it. Now, of course, we had the the tragic news over the last couple of days of former jazz legend coach Jerry Sloan passing away. So I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Jazz podcast. David Locke is here. David, obviously sad news with uh, Coach Sloan passing away. Yeah, very much so, though he had been really going through some tough times with dementia and Parkinson's and uh when I saw him last uh, with the, my broadcast partner, Ron Boone, it, it, there were glimmers of Jerry, but it wasn't the Jerry we've all known over the years that, you know, farmer fighter um, that is Jerry Sloan, that that's not something that we, you know, saw out of him. So I think maybe, you know, at some point forcing someone to live inside of that was, was probably torture for Jerry. Yeah, I can imagine that. That uh, my grandfather had the same sort of um, as Jerry Sloan, and towards the end of his life, it's it's not the same as the guy that you remember. Um, you know, throughout all those you know, periods of his life when they're full of life and uh, and and living their their best life, and of course, Sloan impacted so many people, uh, a lot of people, and there are people who who you know, into the NBA maybe recently ten years that they don't realize the the playing career that Jerry Sloan had as well. David, as a member of the Chicago Bulls, um, yeah, really really strong ten year playing career there as well, but. I think he's most remembered as being that Utah Jazz coach for as long as he was. We're talking um, yeah, 13, 14 years here now with a, a bit of an unceremonious end to that career. But you know, what's probably your highlight, because you interacted with him on, on a personal level, your highlight of his time there with the Utah Jazz? So Jerry was with the Jazz, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, for a, a length of time it was just kind of unfathomable and other than Popovich, you know, it might not get close to me. He won a hundred, he won 1,221 games over his coaching career. I mean, it's just a, it's an incredible amount of time. He replaces, um, you know, he start, he actually coaches in Chicago. He replaces Frank Layden in 1985 and doesn't stop coaching until 2011. So 23 diff- seasons consecutively with the Utah Jazz. So I covered him uh, first. I covered him from 1992 to 1998. So the two final seasons, I was a reporter in town and, you know, I was young and combative and, you know, we went back and forth and he was pretty intimidating when he didn't necessarily like your questions and, you know, was, and, and then I came back in 2008 and actually, um, then shortly thereafter became the radio voice of the team. So I was doing the coach's show and traveling with him. So I kind of had two, iter- I mean, he was around so long that I'd actually had like 
the beginning, the middle, and the like the backside of my career already. Um, and so I dealt with him quite a bit in that time period. I mean, I don't think there's many people in the world that were as true and consistent to, to who they were and what they believed. That would be the best way I could describe Jerry. There's a lot of people out there that like put up a, a facade or they put up what they want to be. Jerry actually just was who he portrayed himself to be and completely um, show, you know, was, was that kind of down to earth, simple, uh, couldn't understand why someone would write a book. Like, why does anybody care what I have to say? Um, you know, in the core of it, really, he's a farmer, right? In his, in his farm from Illinois. Uh, he, he was, he was formed by various moments of his life. So first his father dies when he's very young and they live in very, uh, severe poverty in Illinois on the farms for most of his life to get to basketball practice. It was two to three miles away. He would leave the house early every morning to walk the two or three miles, uh, sometimes having had food, but probably many times not having been fed. You know, they did not have food for every meal when he was a kid. And he would hope that somebody would pick him up along the way so he didn't have to drive the whole way in the, in the community. Um, you know, that, that, that'll give you a core belief of who you are at that point. Uh, then one of the other key moments, so, of, you know, just kind of to understand the poverty level, uh, when he first got into the collegiate game and in the NBA, he actually had a hard time with training table meals because he had never in his life ever had a meal with leftovers. And so he didn't actually know how to stop eating. And so he would have some problems early in his career where he would overeat too much and, and, you know, get sick because in his lifetime, he had never had that experience. Every time he'd ever eaten, he got what was there, but it was never enough. Uh, then he is the head coach at Evansville and uh, he, he was, he resigned or he's supposed to be the head coach at Evansville and he, he resigned. And then that plane crashes with all of the members on the plane shortly thereafter. And so, you know, those were kind of, I think the key parts of what made Jerry, the John Deere hat wearing individual being fired by Chicago as a head coach definitely led him to have kind of a, uh, insecurity despite probably having the most secure job in the world that that, that scarred him as well. Yeah, look at that sort of thing. Yeah, it's always going to have an impact on on people you know, get, getting fired from the team that you were a legend playing playing for as well. But of course, you know that career in Utah is legendary, and we, we saw a little bit of of nostalgia, of course, with the Jazz. Not on a positive note for the Jazz with the Last Dance documentary about those two finals. But yeah, he is as instrumental in Jazz history as as Carl Malone and John Stockton and those teams are getting to those finals. Yeah, would you say that? He's sort of equivalent to those guys in terms of memories with the fans. Is he above you know, Stockton Malone in terms of jazz legends? Where does he sit in that yeah you know, that pantheon of jazz legends? I think that you always love your players more than any of your coaches. But when you're there for 23 years, he's certainly a part of a lot of people's lives. You, you know, had his very his phrases, and they were the model by which a lot of people live by. One of my favorites was he always got to play forward instead of backwards, which is a great life lesson. Um, then he always had their jackpotting around and that they were playing like they're wearing tuxedos and some other kind of fun lines about the hard work and the effort. And I think that matched the beehive state, kind of what the Utah community be- you know believes in and what they represent. So I think those things really um, resonated in the community. Um, I think Larry H. Miller, the owner who kind of kept the team in Utah and Jerry had a very, um, an interesting relationship. And those two have, have that kind of place in the pantheon of Utah sports would be 
Um, my answer to that, I mean, I think Jerry, you know, when you listen to all the Mark Eaton and Jeff Hornacek and John Stockton and Carl Malone over the last few days, you know, it was, there was no doubt that, that this man was loyal to them and had their back and would do anything he could to support them. And I think, you know, that's the core of what allowed him to be there for 23 years. Last thing on Sloan, David, um, his resignation in 2011. What uh, what can what sort of light can you shed on that? Was how much of it was the Darren Williams issue and incident that has been reported on you know, multiple times and refuted by Williams at times and Sloan, and not necessarily you know, talking about that. But was that the part of it? Was it just like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? Like his resignation, it, it was a, a surprise at the time. So what sort of light can you shed on that? So I was there. I mean, I called that game. Um, and I remember being in the locker room afterwards and Jerry was late to the press conference and it was strange, you know, Darren and Jerry were able to, uh, have some meetings, uh, in the last few years, which was nice. I think for both of them or particularly for Darren, I think to, to have that, um, interplay and, and have that moment. So I think that's important. You know, I don't know what entirely happened still to this day. I mean, there's no question that Darren was, you know, Darren did white, you know, uh, wipe off his play and, and Darren, you know, was, I don't know how you want to call it, was making, you know, was making his statement and, and Jerry was like, I don't deal with it anymore. Like I'm not dealing with this. So um, it's, you know, it's interesting that he resigned in that way. Cause it's pretty contrary to, to the aspects of who he was as a, as a person and a coach. And, and then, you know, he got offered a job, I think it was by the Portland trailblazers and didn't, you know, in a, in a three-year deal, if I remember correctly, and then didn't take it. Um, so, you know, in that sense, interesting kind of, I don't know what was all the things that were going on back there, but it does, you know, it's not clear and it, it was a, a different way to go out. That's certainly for sure. It definitely feels like, you know, you mentioned the offer from the Blazers that he was just at a stage because he was, I think, 69 at, at that point where he was just like, I've had enough of this. Like this, yeah, this has been my life, but I don't have to do this and I don't want to take on this ability. I've had a, a rich career. And while it's not the ideal way to go, it's just, I, I just, I don't want to have to do this sort of um, drama, if, you know, for lack of a better word, in that scenario. That's sort of how it feels to me as an outsider when that situation was going down. And even now, you know, looking back upon it, it just feels like I just more like, you know, fed up, like, oh, I've had a good run, but this is not what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, I would tell you, I was probably so close to it, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I mean, I think that's kind of how I always felt, is that there were just so many different, you know, and I don't have any idea, um, still to this day, all, all of the details. And um, But it was, you know, it was the it was a strange way to end after 23 years, and the Jazz traded Darren Williams shortly thereafter, so it became a, you know, a transformational moment for the franchise. The one I always would throw out there is Mehmet Okor tore his Achilles tendon, Um in the playoff series with Denver a year earlier, and I always wonder what would have happened if that not happened. Let's move on now. Because that was a pretty good team. It, yeah, it, it definitely was. Guys, you need to try the best tasting protein bar you will ever find, and that is, of course, Built Bar. Built Bar, fantastic flavors. You get your regular protein bars. They taste like cement. Built Bar, it tastes like a candy bar. I don't know how much more you could ask for than getting yourself a protein bar, low in calorie, high in protein, but tastes like you're eating something that you shouldn't be. So if you want to taste the best tasting protein bars you can find, head across to BuiltBar.com. But now, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can save $10 off your first order. Absolutely fantastic stuff to be able to get that extra uh, extra boost. And for this week, with um, Memorial Day coming up, they are offering another $5 off all orders this week. 
So go to builtbar.com and use that promo code locked on. There's also new flavors over there as well, which is fantastic. New flavors they have got coming at Built Bar. Peanut, butter, banana, pineapple, upside down cake, coconut, pecan pie, and blueberry lemon. So use the promo code locked on at builtbar.com for $10 off. This week only, we have got $5 off every box of bars and four new flavors. So go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on. Let's move on now from, from Utah and, and Jerry Sloan. Um, just to talk about some of the other news in the NBA that, that has happened, David, over the last day or so. And that's a, uh, a report from Sham Sharania at the Athletic about a GM survey about the NBA's return to play. Um, different options being considered. Of course, nothing's been decided. It seems we're likely going to get some sort of announcement, uh, in the first week or so of June. That's sort of the way it, it appears to be trending, but different options here, just going straight to the playoffs, this playoff plus option where some of the teams who are still in the mix to make the playoffs, so we're talking about, you know, that, I guess, bottom of the Western Conference more likely, where we've got, you know, Memphis and San Antonio, New Orleans, you're looking to get into that final spot, um, resuming some form of a regular season with all 30 teams in that single location, which it, it appears it's almost definitely going to be at World in Orlando. Uh, whether we get you know, a four or five game warm up regular season, almost equivalent to a preseason, there are a lot of different options here. Now, David, which one do you think is the most likely to uh, to occur out, out of these? Or And does that conflict with what you think is the best option? So I don't know. I mean, if I really tried to tell you, I, I'm excited that it sure seems as though we're, we're about to play. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty large positive in it to be able to, you know, head into the direction of being able to play again. I think that's um, the, the most exciting aspect to me. I, I don't know that um, – I don't know whether I think playoff plus is right. I don't know if I think it's right to not have all teams back on the other end. I don't know if I think it's right to have teams come back for, you know, a short period of time. Obviously you're trying to get some of the regional TV dollars and, and hit your 70 games that people have talked about. Um, Keith Smith of Yahoo was the first one to bring up Disney in that article, give him credit. And yep. you know that seems to be where they're heading. Um, I'm just excited to know that there's going to be something there. JJ Reddick had a bunch of crazy concepts that were, um, that were out there. John Hollinger wrote a piece in the very beginning that was interesting. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that have been posted out there as ideas for what could take place. I, I don't have, I don't have any feeling of what is, what is best for the league. Um, but I would give Adam Silver credit. I think everyone's going to feel as though their voice has been heard. What it appears like we're going to make some sort of decision in the next couple of weeks, and then it'll be like another four week wait after that um, with a likely idea here is a two week in-market training camp and then a two-week quarantine training camp in the site. Um, the worry I have if they do resume the regular season, so teams have you know, 15, 20 games, some left in the season. They're not going to play that many. I would be stunned if they did. But if they're playing, say, like a five-game regular season to get teams up to their 70-game local contract, local TV contract minimum, if they get to that now, well, then you've got teams like Minnesota. Like, are they going to want to throw big minutes into Carl Anthony Towns coming off a knee injury? Like, Blake Griffin's knee surgery, is he going to play at all? Is it just going to be like the final day of the regular season where you get G-leaguers like Andrew Harrison playing 48 minutes a night, but we're going to get that for five games? And how does that then you know, tie in with these teams like the Pelicans who are trying to push for that eighth seed? Like, how does that make sense when these other teams have literally no incentive to be playing some of these guys? And even the teams who are locked into playoff positions, like, 
how much is Philadelphia going to be pushing Joel Embiid out there for three or four games if their seating doesn't change? And Ben Simmons coming off a back injury. They're going to play 10 minutes a night, 15 minutes. Like, what are these games going to look like? Is pushing that out there for those five games just so it gets on TV when it doesn't actually resemble anything like an NBA regular season? Is that worth it? Like, do you, can you see that, that risk being a, a problem of getting out there and in those games meaning nothing? Well, I think you also have to extend that out to any regular season game because if you're the Denver Nuggets, are you playing Nikola Jokic every night when yeah. actually whether where your seating is doesn't even matter because there's no home court advantage anymore. That's right. So unless you're trying to pick your playoff opponent like Denver did last year, you don't really actually care about whether or not you're home or road because there's no such thing. So um, you might want to avoid the Lakers, but you also might want to avoid the Clippers. So I'm not sure that they're, you're going to have a circumstance in which so I think regular season games are going to be hard to get, you know, to have the, you know, what we think is a regular game, but it's also a lot of money on the line. And if you can get enough regular season games in that most of their teams go and, and cross over the 72 barrier and suddenly fulfill their regional sports network numbers, that's going to have a huge impact on the future of the league. Do you think, though, that there is a risk? And I know there is that, that contract and, and salary cap but the, the, these games come back and people are like, oh my God, we've got sport. We're going to go and watch these games. And they go and watch, um, you know, Bowl Bowl playing 25 minutes for Denver. Not that they're even going to risk him playing versus, um, you yeah, guys like Justin Wright Foreman playing 48 minutes for the Jazz. Like they're going to go, what is this? NBA, lucky you're, you're making this a joke. These games, like these don't actually mean anything. It's purely a money grab. Do you, do you think there is a, a risk in that when these games, aren't going to mean anything and they're going to be of a worse quality than our standard April games, which at times can be a little bit weird in terms of the players that are out there anyway. Uh, I would think that the fan base would be somewhat understanding of what the world is and where we are at this point. So, I mean, you, I guess you can, you know, if somebody wants to be a negative Nelly and, and complain about what they're seeing, that's fine. But April games are unique in their own way. And as you mentioned, and I think they always have been, I mean, we had Grayson Allen scored 50 points in a game to, last year, um, we didn't have, you know, we, nobody was complaining at that moment that it was, you know, something different. Like that's just April basketball. So we'll have April basketball for a little while if we do that before the playoffs. I, I think you've got to get the athletes ready. I think there's a bigger issue at hand. I think this, I think that's a pretty minor issue inside the the realm of of what we have taking place, which is to, the chance to get a champion and get playoffs and and have some, you know, something for people to watch. Let me tell you about one of the best things that you can do while you're sitting at home trying to make yourself better, and that is Blinkist. It is hard to look at a big, fat, non-fiction book and digest all of that information, but Blinkist takes all of the information, gets rid of the fluff, and brings it into your brain in just 15 minutes, whether that's in an audio form or reading. Blinkist takes all of the key takeaways from any non-fiction book in their massive library and gives it to you in a 15-minute bite-sized chunk. It is fantastic. You don't need to deal with a fluff or the same point report re- repeated time and time and time again. Blinkers gives it to you 15 minutes. No nonsense. Give you that information. You can get a book like The Virgin Way, Everything I Know About Leadership by Richard Branson or Secrets of Power Negotiating by Roger Dawson. And with Blinkers, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. And right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. 
Absolutely. The players have to get ready. So they have to be some form of games played in there, whether they count for the standings or not doesn't really matter in the end. Because again, most of these playoff spots uh, are filled. So we're, there's not much going to change here outside of maybe that one spot in the Western Conference. Everything else is filled. And as you mentioned about the seeding, there is no home court advantage in this scenario. But the playoffs are going to be, I would imagine, that at their usual the usual type of you know, system, your seven-game series. I don't think there's any indication that that is going to be changing, and they're going to be at a at a pretty high level, and that is going to be awesome to see. Um, do you think that this you know, one-site scenario, this bubble-type concept, favors any team over another? Um, I mean, I think I don't think the bubble favors anyone. I think the older players, obviously, bodies have had a chance to rest. Now, today, are they able to ramp back up will be the next question on the older players. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the easy answer is that Chris Paul and LeBron have a great advantage because they are old and retired. But you're also now asking a 35, 36-year-old body to get going again. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that that's a different question. Uh, I think shooting will be at a premium. So teams that can really stroke it, I think, will be better off. Um, but you could also argue though, that teams that can get on top of the rim and take the highest percentage shots will be better off because everyone's shooting will struggle. So, um, I do think if someone shoots well, it will have a, it will be unique in that sense because there are so few teams they are going to, I just think teams are going to struggle with their shooting early in this process. Yeah. Cause we see that at the start of the preseason and any regular season that shooting can often be down in those first couple of months. And um, yeah, it ramps up as people get into that rhythm. So that, that's a real issue here. The other th- sort of thing that they did discuss is not only with, you know, what they're going to do with this playoff plus and that sort of a format, but yeah, expanding rosters and your yeah, date for finish. Apparently on the survey, there was uh, five different dates for at latest possible date to finish, Labor Day, September 15th, October 1st, October 15th, or all the way to November 1st. And the prevailing wisdom seems to be that the new season would be ready to to kick off uh, on Christmas Day uh, 2020 for, for the next year. Last thing before I let you go, David, with that Christmas uh, potential start for next season, were you in favor of that being a permanent change to the NBA schedule? It makes sense to make it a permanent change because you separate yourself from football. It's probably good for the Lockdown Podcast Network if I want to look at it from that approach. Um, I haven't really figured out what it would do to like the life of the people involved in the league. Um, it's certainly different. You'd have your falls off instead of your summers off, and so I think that you know that's certainly a different approach than what um, than what we've had in the past. Um, it makes sense. I would say that. I think that makes sense. I the only thing I don't understand is why you start on Christmas Day. I would start the week before, do an opening week within a Christmas celebration. That that would be the only change I would make. I would start the 18th or so, play opening week of games, have that celebration, and then hit with Christmas. One thing you mentioned there was interesting is the life of of the people involved, and you mentioned you're having those summers off then would go away, and I think that's going to be an issue with making that change permanent. The other thing is, is we know that in that you know, summer league July period, David, that the NBA dominates, right? They with free agency, the draft, the, the NBA dominates all media landscape because there's nothing else really going on. But that is you know, the off season and player movement and, and rumors and draft and all that sort of stuff is a huge thing for the NBA. But if we move that schedule back, that thing then happens in September, right in the middle of the beginning of the NFL season, where that might potentially get diluted. So something that builds up so much interest for the NBA season, then gets pushed into an area where it's getting you know, maybe pushed on the back burner a little bit, that could be a concern as well. So while the games won't be competing with the NFL as much, that big build-up to the beginning of the season, that the thing that dominates really all of summer 
is going to be sort of just faded away. And I think there's that's a concern that they need to pay attention to as well. If their idea is, hey, the NFL is you know, taking up media space, that that big thing that sets the NBA apart from other leagues might actually get sort of diluted and uh, not have as much interest in it. The idea that I had with Chad Ford on Chad Ford's NBA uh, big board, actually I think he came unlocked in NBA, but Chad Ford of Chad Ford's NBA big board, the idea that I had that I thought um, – that I wanted the institute was that we still hold the draft in in its regular time or maybe even earlier, and that when a player is drafted, they immediately become eligible for the team, so, so that they can jump in you the have your trade deadline sometime in April, and then shortly thereafter you have your so Trey Young could have actually played the last you know instead of a summer league, a summer league would be different or maybe going away. He plays the last fifteen games or so for his team. Um, I think it would it would add an awful lot of interest to the last 15, 20 games for fans whose teams are out of it. Um, and I think that it would be also interesting, you know, how you draft players if you know they might help you in the playoffs. That is uh, something I hadn't really uh, considered. That's something I'd have to think about to see how that would uh, have an impact. But it is obviously there's so many things that are up here for debate with all this uh, league um, league suspension and shutdown. That's going to have an impact on uh, on life. There's no doubt about that. David, thank you for coming on Locked On NBA, talking about Jerry Sloan and some of the news regarding the NBA's return to play. Of course, David is uh, on Locked On NBA during the week and Locked On Jazz. David, thank you. Great to have you back on Mondays. And uh, sorry, the time zone got you uh, knocked off there for a little bit. All good. Uh, just uh, unfortunately, we had to wait the uh, nine or so hours for Last Dance to come on, so I couldn't be on to host and talk <laughs> about the talk about that documentary. But I am back, and uh, we are we're getting basketball back soon, David. It's it's exciting stuff. It is great. Talk to you soon, Josh. And that will do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Blinkist, and of course, Built Bar. And subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And give us a five-star rating and review. You can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore b Guys, thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.